My name is Terrell. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, let's see. Um, I, most of you all know me. I mean, seriously, you've heard my story not maybe three weeks ago, you know, or two weeks ago. Um, uh, let me thank uh, Michael for asking me to speak. Um, if I didn't thank him, then he, I'd hear an inventory later today. Um, he's going to resent me I didn't wear a suit and tie. Um, of course, for me, that, that's a, a, a tradition that he has because he believes that he shows his recovery. I think the way I'm dressed today shows my recovery. Um, because when I was, when I was fat, I, all I could wear was green corduroy pants with a matching green plaid shirt, and I had a rust color one too, rust color pants, because that's what I could get at the Husky store. Um, to qualify, uh, my top weight is somewhere around 325 pounds, and I have 35 years of abstinence. And so, you know, um, as most of y'all know, I'm an opinionated old timer, and I'll have you ask my opinion. Um, for those that don't know me too much, I just say that I, I come from a, uh, an alcoholic family or a dysfunctional family. Um, I discovered food at a very early age. It, it made me, it made so I could bear life because life was hard. You know, our literature says we're sensitive people. And I was very sensitive. Everything bristled me. And so I found that food was a coating on my nerve endings, basically, so that I could breathe and I could eat, I could just bear another day of living. And that's all I needed to do was just bear another day of living. And that's what food did for me. So what happened was I, uh, um, um, as love you know the story, I mean, I, I came to OA the first time when I was 17. And uh, I didn't really find it was necessary for me, the, all the, the 12 steps and all that stuff. I didn't really need the program, but I needed a food plan. And I was given this food plan, and I would go to a meeting a week for that moral support because we get a moral support. get encouragement if we go to a meeting and you hear, like, oh my God, this food plan works, and this food. And it was on a gray sheet of paper. And I lost the weight, and uh, 125 pounds in about five months. Um, but as we all know, if we don't deal with those things, it makes us eat excess food, I ha- which I did not. I did not write an inventory. I did not deem of that, of the, of the 12 step work. Um, or any of the really tools except for the food plan, I had to go eat again. And I ate. And I got up to about 250 pounds again, 250, 275. Um, then I uh, started dealing with my sexuality, and I had this, uh, I would start, I was a successful person. Um, and so I would go around to everyone asking them if, if they thought I was gay or not. Um, because I had to check out everyone's opinion of whether I was gay. Now, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't exhibiting any, like, I, I wasn't wearing dresses, I wasn't exhibiting any flamboyant, it, it, like, what we might say stereotypical gay traits. It was just, it wasn't like, do you think I'm gay because of the way I'm acting? It was, do you think I'm gay? And it's the most crazy thing when I think about it, right? Like, literally going around to all my college buds and going, like, do you think I'm gay? <clears throat> what it was about was a compulsive reader who, before I could do anything, I had to make sure it was okay with everybody else. Because it was okay with you that I was gay, then it was okay for me to be gay. But it wasn't okay for me to be gay if it wasn't okay with you. And luckily I went to a liberal arts, a very liberal college, and it was... <coughs> excuse me. But when I was doing this whole process about, am I gay, am I not gay, am I gay, am I not gay, I developed this nervous stomach. I don't know where that came from, but I couldn't eat. 
And as you have heard me say many times, the, uh, um, when I was coming to OA the first time, I would hear that um, it's not the 100th bike that puts the weight on it, it's the first. And so I discovered fasting, maybe anorexic behavior. There's a, there's a tinge of that in me. There is a tinge of that. Because I, I, I'm a compulsive overeater, right? I don't think we, when we are compulsive eaters, we just have an issue with food. And as, as everyone in this room has probably said, if I could just take a pill and not eat all day long, I'd be okay. Which is what an anorexic does, right? An anorexic says, if I just don't eat today, I will be okay. If I just don't eat today, I'll be okay. Which is what we say, except we don't, we wind up binging. So I, uh, I got my, down to my weight. I got down to 160 pounds, which is that picture of me in the boat. Um, I discovered that recently. And I thought I was so fat. I really did. I just thought I was so fat at 160 pounds. Because my goal weight was 149. Um, because if I was on the doctor, if I went on the doctor scale, the big weight would be on the 100, not on 150. So that's why my goal weight was 149. It made sense to me. Um, so what happened was I was told by my eye doctor that if I did not stop eating sugar, I'd be blind within a year. And then I proceeded to put on 30 pounds in six weeks by binging my way through Europe on sugar. And one of my favorite stories and program is this gal came up to me after, uh, uh, after a meeting. She said, Charlie, I really want to thank you. Because of you, I've stayed in Europe. And I said, um, what? She said, well, I kept thinking if Terrell can have stayed in Europe, I can have stayed in Europe. If Terrell can have stayed in Europe, I can have stayed in Europe. And I didn't have the heart to tell her that that was a 30-pound weight gain in six weeks. But, you know, so that's why I know that what I say up here doesn't really make any difference to what you hear. Right? You hear what you want to hear. You hear it. You interpret it. So if you heard that I, you know, I don't know, I'm an anorexia today, then they kept you abstaining today. Then that's the goal. Um... So I came back to Overs Anonymous and, uh, in 1978, and I went back to OA, came, um, I ate up all my excuses, and they, it says in step one, John Barleycorn is our best advocate, which basically to an alcoholic means liquor is the best advocate. For me, I don't need my best advocate um, to be in their 12-step program. The, what happened was I... Uh, um, I had a spiritual experience and I was started sponsoring and was, was sponsored. Am I food sponsoring? Because you can't do a four step sponsor if you haven't given away your fourth step. And uh, after about three months in program, losing the 30 pounds I gained in Europe, I went to my sponsor and said, I'm sick and tired of coming to these rooms full of fat ass people talking about their problems. I'm sick and tired of being told what I can and cannot eat. I'm sick and tired of you people. I'm done. Do you understand? I'm done with you. And uh, my sponsor said some magic words. He said, Terrell, remember, if you're leaving, you're leaving us, we're not leaving you. If you don't want to come back, we'll be here. That was a really amazing time, because this was 1979, and we didn't know anything about abandonment issues. But literally, he was thinking of, I mean, we've got so much psychological jargon now in our, in our, liter- in our program. But back then, it was just like, you don't eat, period, you know. Um, so I, my attitude was thank you for sharing. And then on January 5th, 1979, I had my last binge. As you all know, love, love your notes, just two pieces of toast. And uh, that was it. 
two pieces of toast and I have to think about the donuts because I'm a donut junkie. I'm a dining world donut junkie. And uh, I got scared. I got scared of the donuts again. Because see, when I'm binging, I'm always thinking about victory over food. If I can just get victory over food. Maybe it's my old Baptist upbringing where I think about victory. Victory over food. Um, and, and I knew that I was off and running again to the, you know, I was off, I was out there. And uh, you folks said the door will always swing out, but we'll never know if the door will swing back in. But just because you think you can handle this binge doesn't mean you don't know where the binge ends. You know where the binge starts, but you never know where the binge ends. Though we think we know where the binge is going to end, that the binge will end tonight, right? The binge, is gonna, the binge will end this weekend because on Monday I'm going to start my diet. We always think the binge, we know what, we can control the binge. If we can control the binge, then we're in fine shape, right? But we can't control our binges. They control us. And so I knew that I had just started the path again. And I got scared. Because I, I couldn't do it one more time. And I prayed and I said, God, I cannot do it one more time. I cannot go out there one more time. And uh, then on January 6, 1979, I got up and have been absent ever since. And... If you people followed me around my daily life, you would probably not think I'm abstinent. You probably think I work a shitty program. You probably think that it's like, you really, this is the guy we have on such high self-esteem. Or that's just my head talking, right? So let me tell you what my, what reason why I'm still in Overeaters Anonymous 20 years later, or 35 years later. I'm in when my disease brain starts talking. What I call my disease brain, my my ego-driven brain, my thinking, thinking. You guys don't love me enough. There's none. You know, I'm not appreciated. Why don't they understand? Why can I? Why don't they ask me how I am? Life is unfair. You know, can I just get them out of the room so I can eat? Why are they bothering me? Why don't, why don't, why don't they love me more? Why don't, why don't they call me? My brain goes to places that's just dark. When, when I'm in my disease, what's wrong with me? I haven't had a relationship. You know, why haven't, why haven't I ever had a man? I'm too sick of a man. If I had a man, I'd probably go, I'd, and if he did something that, was, that I didn't like, I'd go like, what's wrong with me? I'd pick him. Right? I picked this man. Oh my God, I'm so screwed up. I picked such a horrible person. I must be screwed up. Because everything becomes a reflection about me. When I'm in my disease, disease brain, which has nothing to do with my food, right? Because I can be abstinent and have this thinking, thinking. I can be, I can have squeaky clean food and still be thinking about life is not good enough. What's wrong? How can I get better? I'm such a piece of shit. Oh my God. I hate me. And, and you know what? And, and I don't know why I can do better. That's that thinking thinking. That's why the first time around when I lost the weight, 125 pounds, and when I was 17, if it was a weight issue, I got cured. I got to 175. 
I got down to I got down to go away. I got cured, right? That that solved the problem. If the problem was food, then I would have the problem solved. But art we say something different in this program. This program is about we have a moral psychic change where we change our life. We have to think, change our thinking and change our attitude. Even when we think that that's the most asinine thing in the world. That when, when to be Pollyanna is stupid. Right? That's the most stupid thing. You're not being realistic. If you're realistic, you'd understand how horrible life is. That's my thinking thinking. That's what thinking thinking gives me. This program says, come in and change. Now, if you go through the steps, step one says, I'm powerless over food. Duh, I was going to sacrifice my eyesight for one more bite of chocolate. Right? I going to sacrifice my eyesight for one more bite of chocolate. So I know I'm powerless over food because I would try to have victory over food. And every time I tried to have victory over food, I'd wind up losing that stuff at the donut stand. So it was clear, clear to me that I was powerless over food. My life is unmanageable. Yeah. My life is unmanageable because if I can manage my life, I might have the perfect relationship with the perfect man that would never do anything wrong, that would totally be what I want him to be. I, w- I wouldn't need brakes in my car because, I mean, who, I mean, if I can manage my life, I would have not have brakes. I would, I maybe, I don't know, get better brakes. I don't know. Um, I'd have the landlord paint, the, paint my apartment on the exterior if I can manage my life. Step two says, can to believe that power greater than myself can restore me to sanity? Twelve steps. Twelve steps can restore me to sanity by changing my life. Step three says, may the decision turn my will, my life, or care of that power greater than myself. If I turn my will, my life, over the care of this power greater than me, when I cannot see, touch, feel, hear, but I turn my will, my life, over the care of that, my life gets better. Step four was where I literally took my inventory and said, this is who I am. This is me. Not trying to impress you. Not trying to be better than you. Not trying to be worse than you. This is me. I'm just another compulsive reader. Or my favorite things is for me to say, I'm just a cliche. Or tell one of my sponsees or tell someone I talk to. You're a cliche. You're just a run-of-the-mill, average old, compulsive old reader. Now, how boring is that? Right? Because we want to be special. So step five was when I literally made, made it to another person. This is me. This is me. Good and bad. For self-acceptance is what I got in this program. Self-acceptance. That I am a compulsory, that I'm never going to be perfect, that I never have a swimmer's body, that I'm, I, didn't, I wasn't born in a Connecticut family in horse country, I mean, in, you know, it was in horse country, Connecticut, that I'm preppy and that I should, my, that I'm, my nickname is Biff. That's, no, this is me, a compulsive overeater who's got issues. Step six and seven says that I, I've tried to fix myself so many times. I've tried to fix me. I've tried to have self-esteem. I have tried so many times to make myself, make my life better. And all I do is wind up hating myself more. 
Because I don't live up to that, that, that bar that I've set for myself. You know that goal that, that you set for? I don't set up that, I don't reach that bar. And when I reach that bar, then I move the bar higher because that wasn't, I'm just trying to get better. Not better in the sense of trying to evolve emotionally and spiritually and, and just get better. I am, I'm trying to impress you with how good I am. I'm trying to impress myself. I'm trying to make up. See, as a compulsive reader, I'm always two steps behind because I never am good enough. So as a compulsive reader, in my thinking, thinking, I have to be twice as fast to catch up. I got to be twice as good as everyone else just to be level. Now, that's a horrible point to come from. But that's what compulsive readers are. We always feel like we're one step behind. And then every now and then, we'll try to look at someone and go, like, oh, I'm ahead of them. Oh, you know, I'm better than they are. Right? Step eight and nine means I go clear up the path. I mean, I go clear up my past. And I, step ten says, guess what, baby? You're still going to make mistakes. You're still going to screw up. You're not perfect. If there wasn't a step ten, then I would think, okay, after I did steps four through eight, or four through nine, I'd be perfect. And I wouldn't have any more issues. I wouldn't be crappy to someone. I wouldn't be rude. I wouldn't cut people off on the freeway. I wouldn't, because I'm the person that cuts you off on the freeway. Right? People cut me off, but I'm the one that cuts you off. Then I'm also the one that gets, like, there's a little attitude, you know? Or doesn't, that, because I still, I still have this human ego that still wants me to be worshipped and adored at my discretion, at my choosing. So step 10 says I'm going to continue to make mistakes. Step 11, if you want to catch a bus, go to the bus stop. You know? Want to catch a bus, go to the bus stop. If you want to, if you want to listen to your, your higher power, Stop talking. Stop. Quiet. Listen. And then you'll hear your higher power. Not while you're talking. Now, prayer, to me, is putting intent out there. Like I pray for something, it's putting intent. It's putting in my, my mind's focus on it. Not that I believe I can visualize and create it, but just basically that I become open to it. That I, that I go like, okay, I pray to not be so jealous today. It's just putting intent out there. And step 12, for me, is I act like a man who's got 35 years of abstinence. Step 12, for me, says, when I'm loving, kind, tolerant, sweet, a good guy, not cared about what you think, I live, I live a much better life. Spiritual principles. Not ever get your business. I don't care whether you're the most perfect being. I don't care whether I'm the most perfect being. I always say my prayer is, God, let me be the best human being possible. Which when I say that prayer, it means that I am fallible. That I am a human being. I have a human ego. I will never become perfect. Never. Never. And then when I start beating myself up because I'm not perfect, then I, I'm losing. And then, I, then it's this downward spiral of self-hatred. And then I try to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters. But here comes my pitch for service. Hate it. 
hate it. I don't want to be bothered. I do not want to drive to Santa Barbara on a Friday night to go speak at a meeting where there's five compulsive readers there. But why did I go? They asked. Why do I go? Because I don't have a choice. I wasn't said, okay, Carol, you get to decide which, which um, service you get to pick. I didn't get that. I wasn't told that. I came in when it was hard. I, uh, there was this thing called the Nest in the Valley. It was an AA group. Rock bottom alcoholics. And I learned a lot from those guys. And from, from someone who was a member of that. And I learned a lot from old timers. Because see, when I was new, I would glom on to old timers. And that time, they maybe had ten years, five years. I would glom onto them and just thirsty for knowledge. Like, how do you handle life? Because I don't know how to handle life. I didn't know how to handle life. My life was unmanageable. So I came to Overeaters Anonymous to hear how I could change my thinking and appreciate life. And so that's how this program works for me. That's why after 35 years, I'm still in OA. I love it when someone, like, we hear someone else say, now how do you keep your program fresh? And I want to think, baby, don't you have an ego? Doesn't your sickness, your sick brain, keep the program fresh? That goes like, oh yeah, these people are just not right. Oof. Like, I can do better than this. Right? That's what brings me back to program. Because I don't have perfect thinking. And that's why I continue to work a 12-step program. To keep coming back to remind me to sit in that chair over there. And I hear, yeah, I'm sick, but I got better. Yeah. The spiritual principles is what, is what brings me peace, happiness, and contentment. Not my brain. Not my thinking thinking. That tells me I'm not enough. And you didn't love me enough. And my childhood was shitty. And that it was just horrible. And I'm going to show you how horrible you treated me because I'm not going to shine. Because I'm going to prove your, I'm going to prove a point to you of how horrible you were to me when I was young. I am not going to excel now to prove a point of how horrible you were to me. Martyrdom. I have that. That's the disease of, of compulsive reading. That's the disease that we come to OA for. If it was about food, then go to another diet plan. But here we say, we have screwed up thinking. And we're going to change the thinking, baby. And if you're not willing to change the thinking, then you will eat again. You will binge again. If you're not willing to change your thinking. Because that's the bottom line. That is the bottom line. And as step one says, who cares to do this? No one. No one wants to be spiritual. And le- especially a compulsive reader. Unless the alternative is hell, living with my brain, and living with a binge. Those are the alternatives, right? I can either lead a spiritual life, as it says in our bit literature, pick up the tools, the spiritual tools, or I continue doing what I'm doing. And I got news for you. If I continue doing what I was doing, I would be blind right now. I probably would be dead. I would... 
I was dead. My brother, who is two years older than me, is 100 pounds overweight. He's diabetic. I get to see my future in him. You know? Because of you. Because of what was anonymous. I'm alive today. Now, if you wanted a cheerful, happy pitch, <laughs> listen to my podcast. Some of them are very happy and cheerful and fun. <laughs> but this is my home group. You people see me every week. I want to remind you what this program is about. This program is about love, tolerance, kindness, service. Those are our watchwords. If we do not exhibit those behaviors, we will binge again. We will binge again. Because I've seen every one of you raise your hand on a repetitive basis that says you're a compulsive overeater. And I've listened to you talk. You're crazy. You're crazy. You're a bunch of crazy compulsive overeaters. But the amazing thing is, is we have a solution. It's in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's in our OA 12 and 12. How many people here read the big book? How many people here read the OA 12 and 12? See? And I see a lot of old timers out here. Because that's what happens. Is if you want to know how this program works, pick up the literature. Pick up the literature. I don't care whether you read it before. I don't... Many times I've heard how it works. Seriously. Seriously. Rarely have we seen a person fail. But you know what? Every now and then I'll hear this like, oh, right, that little, that sentence. Oh, right, I forgot. That guy forgot it. But today it speaks to me. So read the literature. We have service. There is no such thing as too much service. Well, there probably is. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, you know what I get. I don't know if you read the big book about boy meet girl on campus and so forth. Oh, AA campus. They said for those those of us that are single, right, I get to do more service. Did that timer go off? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. okay. So that's my that's my bonus prize is I get to do more service. Thanks for letting me share. There is no break at this meeting. We will not pass the basket for a seventh edition. A donation of uh, $3 is suggested that any amount would be greatly appreciated. Um, let's see. Peter, will you please read the 12 traditions? Suffers. 
sick in a way group ought never enjoy, finance, or lending, alienation, or any related facility or outside enterprise or cost of money, property and prestige diverges from our primary purpose. Seven, every away group ought to be fully self-supporting, blind, outside contributions. Eight, overeaters anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, our way as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those we serve. Ten, overeaters anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA may ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We always, we always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place This is the time uh, for questions only. There's no sharing this meeting. If you need to share, please do so within yourself for the meeting. Also, please remember the opinions of the leader are over are, are over overuse anonymous. Um, as a, let's see, when asking me questions, you need not identify yourself. You're being recorded, so please remember your request. Uh, ask a question. Your voice may be audible in the OA podcast. If being recorded, please restate the question. Okay, questions. You believe you grew up as a fast and you are not now. So, how do you deal with people who have known you from your childhood as a fat person and now see you different? The only people that would know me from my childhood that I still ha- uh, uh, see is my family. How do you treat you? How do you see you? How do you accept or... The... I... Um, I've been sin for 35 years. 35 years. Over half, like, I still have a fat brain, but my siblings don't think of me as fat. They don't see me as fat. My brother jokes about, because he's 100 pounds overweight, says he got the looks and I got the brains, you know, which is once again a fat compulsory, because he's raised his hands to Theo. A CEO going like, making the joke first, right? People, they don't, people don't see me as fat. It, it's actually kind of difficult because my friends now, they, they don't get it. They just don't get it. So it was kind of interesting because, so in the last couple of years I developed this food allergy to corn and onions. So I can't eat corn or onions and it's not pretty. They, they say, they will, sometimes we have, we get together for dinner and they'll bring me ice cream. They say it's sugar free. And then I, I found out, like they told me like a couple months ago, yeah, we just tell you it's sugar free because they think it's made up. Now they would never put onion or corn in my food. They would never because they, they're very clear. They'll make this whole thing. So because they don't, they don't get it. Right? They don't see that they haven't been to OA. They don't get it. They think I'm just being principled. <laughs> or they'll go like, well, you drink wine, so what's the difference? Does it make me sugar-free ice cream? Or don't eat it. So, so, but I can't, I can't look at them and go like, oh, you're such an asshole. Oh, you're horrible. How dare you? What's wrong with you? 
because they were naked about me, right? They look at me and go like, here's this guy with a normal body weight. He doesn't eat sugar and flour for 35 years. He didn't sugar free, sugar ice cream once. He didn't, he didn't freak out. He didn't puke. He didn't can't swallow. What was the harm? My opinion is if it was sugared ice cream and I didn't know it, I didn't consciously seek out sugared ice cream. Now, I might have felt kind of crazy afterwards. I might have got maybe, you know, whatever. My head a little sugar blue, but I didn't know. But now what I do is when they bring me out sugar-free ice cream, when they say sugar-free ice cream, I go to the freezer, I look at the carton and go, okay, sugar-free. And they know I'm going to go look at the carton because they, they did that to me once, right? I don't know if that answered the question. But, of course, I still have, that, I still have the brain that says, I'm fat. Do you see yourself still Many times. Many times. If I could just lose 20 more pounds. If I could lose 30 more pounds. If I could get down to 180, then I'd like to be, I don't know what, I'll become attractive? Men will find me attractive? That's, that's my thinking, thinking, right? And when I hear that, I go like, well, if you just got down to 180, you would, you would be married. You'd have a man and then you'd be attractive and there'd be... And then they go like, okay, where's the program telling me about this? It's not about weight. And that if I'm looking for some man who always cares about me is that I'm 180 pounds, I've seen guys who all they care about is whether their partner's 180 pounds. I don't want them. I don't want them in my life. I want them to have, like me, because my personality, my spirit, my charm. You know? But I'm my worst critic because I don't have a swimmer's body. If I had a swimmer's body, then I'd be okay. But I don't have that build, and I will never have the swimmer's body build. So I keep using the swimmer's body or a gymnast body as my gold standard. I'll never get there. I'm barrel-chested. I got that from my father. So either I go into acceptance or I hate myself. Those are the choices. You tell me which one's the better choice. And how does a bad food day look like today? Um, I want to try to snack a little bit more. My absence is no sugar and no flour. That's my absence. Maybe. Uh, Last night I had a big meal. I went to the Palm. They had a four-pound lobster. I split a four-pound lobster with a friend. We had, um, I had a martini before dinner. Yes, I drink, okay? And those of you who are going to judge me for that, then don't, don't, don't talk to me. Don't ask me about my program. Don't, don't, you're like, okay? If that's going to turn you off to that effect that I might be hiding out in food, that I'm really just an alcoholic waiting to go to close to uh, AA, <laughs> fine. But I found, I found comfort and joy. But anyway, so I had a martini, then I had a glass of wine with dinner. Um, I had this lobster. I had a half a baked potato. I had cream spinach. I had a couple of half, potato chips and a half and half. It was a big meal. So how does my, how's a bad food day? Also, I, I, bad food day yesterday was because I went to Thai food and I had uh, green beans and Pig King, which is spicy green beans. I shouldn't be eating that because of my allergies. I got it. I mean, that, that's like, or bad food day could be, oh, I'm going to have 
a couple of handfuls of rice crackers or a handful of rice crackers. Well, I wind up eating like seven or eight handfuls of rice crackers. You know, that's a bad food day. I don't know if that answers the question. <clears throat> because bottom line is, if I don't go to back to my, if I don't turn to sugar and flour, now if my abstinence was weight and measure, that would be a difference, right? That's my abstinence. So. Do you uh, remember the circumstances around your psychic change? So about my spiritual awakening was when I was walking from, on Friday night out of Roxbury Park to my car and I had to walk through the park. And it was on the 12th step, meeting with the tip step study, it was on the 12th step. And I didn't understand why I was in the 12th, why I was in the 12th step, I was on the first step. Was, this was before I had that. And I was walking to the park, I heard this small, still voice inside me that says, Cheryl, I love you. And you have as much right to be here as that tree. And I never felt that before. I always felt like I was breathing your air. And so that first time I felt like, I can breathe, I don't have to, I don't have to look around, try to make sure I'm okay. And I come up with 10 excuses for what I just did. Then it became the varietal. Like when I wrote my fourth step, it was, I would think back and like, oh, I dealt with that. And I'm not doing that anymore. on the floor crying because the man was not doing it right. The man just, you know, so I'd be on the floor in a fetal position crying. It was beaten out of me. It was evolving. It was writing inventories. My sponsor now, they asked me to write this inventory on the, tw- on the seven deadly sins. I thought it was the nine inventory in the world. Crazy. Crazy. She's a Catholic. I don't need to write down that. Because I'm talking here about this man who's not doing it right. Boy, that I'm dating, he's not doing it right. And she went around the seven deadly sins. And uh, I, you know, was real, she was a brand new sponsor, and I thought, well, oh, it's But then this little small voice said, if you stop, if you don't make this, if you don't do this, when you stop keeping your commitment. And I saw a direct line from not writing that inventory to binge. I saw a direct line. Because you break this commitment, then this commitment breaks. Because once I start breaking commitments, I don't get to choose which commitments I break, right? I, I, choose, I start breaking them. It doesn't make any difference. I broke one commitment, I can break another one. And it was one of the best inventories I ever wrote. Evolving, growing, day in, day out, back to back abstinence, where you learn and grow based upon your mistakes, and you don't turn to food to cover your, your nerve endings. That you become raw. I was told when I was new, relatively new, that said either I can face the fire tonight or I can face the fire in the morning. But sooner or later, I have to face the fire. So that moral psychic change came also sitting in meetings and hearing people talk about how they worked towards that permanent life got better. And then I could look back and go like, oh, my, my life's gotten better. My life's gotten better. Right? That's a psychic change. That's, the, that's where things start shifting. And you go like, oh, Either I can, uh, you probably heard me talk about my higher power, I don't know. My, I don't believe in God. I, believe, I don't believe in a deity, but I believe in a higher sense of self, and I believe in a higher power. So my higher power is love, peace, tolerance, kindness, understanding. 
my the opposite of that is is uh, fear, anxiety, deprivation, less than, greed. And so we get to choice today, which way do I turn my life and my will over to care of? When I turn my life over to my human ego, it gets worse. When I turn my life and my will my life to my higher power, it gets better. And nothing physical changes. Nothing physical changes. It just means that I become at peace. And that's what we promise you in this program. We promise peace and joy. We never promise a relationship. Nowhere in the literature does it say you get a relationship. Nowhere does it say you get to make money. Nowhere do we promise you anything except peace. Peace. I'll take that over a new car any day. Right? Because the reason why I want a new car is because I want peace. Right? Because I think a new car is going to bring me peace. I think a new job is going to bring I think something's going to bring me peace. Pray for peace. I don't know if that answered the question. Um, do you ever uh, worry that there's like a whack-a-mole of, of obsessive behaviors that could just sort of fill in for the food? So when the food goes down, this comes up, and there's a myriad of other things. Do you have any experience with that? Yeah. Chewing gum, Diet Coke, um, boys, sex. Um, when I say boys, let's be clear, men, okay? <laughs> I, I led this retreat, and this woman came up to me after the retreat and was very, like, incensed, and she said, oh, my God. I'm going, like, because I used the word boys. I mean, that's, that's the term I use. Where the boys are, right? You know, it's, I mean, it's not, I'm not gay men. I'm not the only one who uses that kind of terminology, right? I'm sure... You women use that term every now and then. Um, sometimes derogatory, sometimes not. Um, but it was like, so, like, sex, you know? Wow. You know? I need to use alcohol every now and then to accept. But a 12 program has instilled a governor in me. 35 years, I got this governor. You know what a governor is? So those who don't know, it used to put governors on cars so that it wouldn't go too fast and it would fly. And, so that it would, and also there's times where I'd go like, okay, I've got this governor inside that goes like, maybe a Chuck C called it that old meat grinder. When you start getting off too, too much over here, you go, now I have a choice. I can try and calm it again with some, some other whack-a-mole or something else. Or I can come back to the program and go like, okay, breathe. Get, like, what are the principles that I believe in? And sometimes I go like, you've come too far to act this way. Stop it. You've come too far. You didn't, you didn't go through all this so you could be shitty to someone. Right? Because when I'm shitty to someone, it pays the price on my soul. Real, I mean, I, like in ways that I don't even know about. It just, it just eats at me. Just takes a little nip at me. Another little nip. And as a compulsive reader, I get enough of those nips, I gotta do something about it. Because I don't want to feel. I'm a compulsive reader. None in this room, no one in this room wants to feel anything. Right? I mean, none of us wants to feel. So we do everything in our power to stop feeling. And we come in here and go, start, go walk through it. Feel it. Feel it, because you're going to get through it. Well, we'll hold your hand as you get through it. Is that it? So, um, thanks for letting me share.